Well, today is a day in which I was wondering where we're going to be starting a new series, Lord willing, as we start our life groups uh, toward the middle of this month, and we're going to be going through the book of Exodus, and we're going to look at God's way out, Exodus, X, kind of like Exodus, and Otis in the Greek is way, so we're getting the way exit, the way out, looking at God's redemptive rescue plan that's been the same throughout uh, his heart for God's people who he's created and made, and so we're going to be looking at that. So I was saying, what do I do for the next couple weeks? Well, one of the things I, I thought I'd do is I would, I would challenge myself to, to do something I didn't do in 2019. In 2019, we spent significant time in, I can't remember, what, what book was that? What book was that? The book of uh, Galatians, right? I think we spent over six months, over half a year looking at Galatians. So we, we, we do have the ability at Grace Hills Church to, to spend a lot of time in a, in a short section week by week. Well, today what I thought I would do is I would give the entire Bible in one Sunday, all right? And so that's my goal today as we look at God's great themes in in the Scripture. Uh, Before we do that, I thought I'd read something that was very poetic, and and I have to give claim to somebody else because I'm not poetic at all, but it it, it wrote some things here that I thought kind of give the picture of, of what we want to see or experience this morning. As the vivid rainbow hearkens every eye to an upward glance. Doesn't it sound like me? Not exactly. Okay. So the Bible draws men irresistibly to its message. The rainbow does not distinguish between the eye of a poor man and the eye of a king. Its attraction and promise are the same for all who behold, if only they have eyes to see. Men and women of all times and lands and nations and stations in life have sought the pages of the book for comfort, wisdom, and challenge. Pioneers on horseback. Truck drivers in their semis and astronauts circling the moon have pondered its truths. Gang leaders in Harlem and headhunters in the Amazon have been transformed by its message. Though its colors are many and its spectrum is wide, it is nonetheless one graceful arch of hope over a storm-darkened planet, varied in its appeal, singular in its beauty. Now, that is said so poetically and so, um, so beautifully. Uh, but as we think about, again, getting in this book, sometimes the challenges of understanding its, its huge themes gets overwhelming by the size of the book, right? There are 66 little books, and some aren't that little, within the big book. And trying to get an idea, well, uh, in terms of it being divided, not exactly in halves, probably two-thirds and one-third, to, to get, get the message sometimes is, is just beyond us. And, and some have written that if you, if you don't get the, the, the bird's-eye view, if you don't get the 30,000 feet above look at this book, that sometimes it, it, it loses its sense of reality. Because you're thinking, well, if I, if I can't get this one book, and if I can only go to a few chapters in this book or a few verses, ha- have I really missed its message? And, and so what I want to do this morning is, is give us an idea of what this book might look like. And again, we are living within the information age, aren't we? I mean, they're, they're, we, are, we are just inundated with data. I was uh, reading one thing this, this past week was doing a 19 striking findings from 2019, and this is one of the things they said concerning information. A single person, I, think, I don't think it's talking about whether you're married or single, but a, a, an individual person watching YouTube videos for eight hours a day with no breaks in days off 
would need more than 16 years to watch all the content posted by just the most popular channels on the platform during a single week. So if you want to just get the data that are, that's given just on YouTubes and just the, the, the data that's being broadcasted by the most popular places on YouTube, the information that you're given just in one week, you could not retrieve that on your own if you spent, unless you spent eight hours a day for 16 years to get what was broadcasted just on a YouTube channel. So we realize there's all kinds of information out there. And so we have to decide what things are we going to look at, what things are we going to read, what things are we going to try to understand, what things are we going to try to master. And so as you think about this book, it's going to take some priorities if you're going to try to get to understand it. Beyond maybe what you were exposed to at vacation Bible school or Sunday school or or what are veggie tales or whatever it might be, and those are all great instruments that happen. You're going to have to decide on your own that you want to understand this book. And there are a variety of ways that you're going to have to approach it or you're going to get lost in the detail. Often I will try to become more learned in a particular field and I get overwhelmed sometimes with, the, the, again, the data I'm trying to digest and I just give up. But don't give up on what God has given us in this book. I was reading, you know, a couple things that, that interesting. Even people who don't believe in the author of this book, some people, some people, you're pretty amazed at the Bible who don't believe that God is the author. For instance, I was reading a quote by Thomas Jefferson, and he said this about the Bible: "I've always said, and always will say, that the studious perusal of the sacred volume will make better citizens, better husbands, and better fathers." So this book is not simply for our information, but it's for our transformation. And of course, you can just follow the game plan in here, whether you believe in the God who wrote it. But if you believe in the God who wrote it, he'll give you the power to live out what he's put in this book. But he wants us to understand his heart as well as the message. So with that, let's, let's see what we can do on one Sunday I took six, over six months to go through one little book, Galatians, the six chapters. Last, last Lord's Day, I tried to give you a summary of that. It's all about the gospel of grace, set free to be free, where the gospel of grace was defined, and then it was explained, and then it was applied. Well, let's look at what it is today. So grab your outlines. Grab a Bible if you can. We're, we're, we're going to look at 10 chapters in the book to hopefully give you an overview of the book, the entire book. Now, these aren't necessarily the most famous chapters in the book or the ones most turned to. Some of them are. But they, they will give you an overview of the, the major themes about what this book is all about. Now, in the midst of all that, I want to give you some things because most of you are not going to memorize 10 things I'm going to give you this morning. So let me give you at least three. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about man. And we're going to talk about Jesus. All right? So if you want to know what this book is about, it's all about God man and all right so you're you're you're, get, you're getting a little bit of it right now so you you got part of it already today all right and, and so as we look at that we're, we're gonna we're gonna see what what god and who god is and what he's done and we're gonna look at man and who he is and what he's done and then we're gonna look at jesus and what he's done and what he's still doing all right and, and that's really the book that's really the book and, and so we're gonna we're gonna go through most of the chapters are, we're gonna deal with the first part of the of of this big book that's two-thirds one and one-third the rest. We're going to look at how God set it up, and then we're going to look at how God's going to finish it. 
Some have said the, the, if I can get this right, the Old, no, the New Testament, it was what was prepared in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is what is presented in the New Testament. Sometimes we've said it this way, the, the, Old, the Old Testament is what God has predicted and then what the New Testament is God has fulfilled. Okay, so let's look at it this morning. And what we're going to do is contemplate the central message through 10 critical chapters. So Sesame Street today, this message given to you by the letter C. Some of you need for me to start all over again, all right? So we're going to, look at, we're going to contemplate the central message through 10 critical chapters in this big book, all right? So let's begin at the beginning. The, the book in the Bible that is really named the beginnings. That's what Genesis is. It's the beginnings. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 because that's going to set the theme for what this book is all about. And we're going to start with God, all right? So Genesis chapter 1, have your Bibles. We're going to, we're going to race through here. And, and you might think just because I'm going to go through the entire Bible in one Sunday, I'm going to talk fast, right? Perish the thought. So look at Genesis chapter 1, all right? And we'll start with the, actually the first, very first verse. In the beginning, God did what? Created. Created the heavens and the earth. And, and so you think about it, if we, if we want to summarize the book, okay, it's all about God and it's God's, I think you can figure this out, creation, right? That this, this didn't happen by accident. Now, you can go through an entire life, and people do, thinking that somehow we are some mistake or some some. A lucky chance that brought all of life together. But we really point out that the message of this book, in the beginning, it started with the one who didn't need to be started, which is God. He's the uncaused cause. But what did he do when he did that? And let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish by the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps the earth. God created man, verse 27, in his own likeness, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So even in the beginning of this book, we realize there is God, there is one God, but when the one God, there's a plurality within him. And that's, that's, the, that's the glimpse into the nature of who God is, that, that God is one, but within the the Godhead, there's a plurality. Later on, we find out that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But in the very beginning, there was a purpose to his creation. Now, this is the only one I'm going to have additional fill in the blanks, but this is how it all begins as we think about the theme of this book. God's creation, God is the cause of all things. And he in love, 1 John 4, 7, and 8, created us to be like him and to live with him. And I put it this way, and we could have used other different words, but as you think about the message of this book is that God is the cause. And we know of everything that we ever see or observe or see is in place, that there had to be a reason for it to be in place, a reason for it to exist. Nothing exists on its own. And God is the uncaused cause who caused everything. But why did he cause it to happen? Well, looking at the nature of God, and this is the freebie in here, in 1 John 4, 7, and 8, it says God is, it's the L word, and it doesn't stand for loser. Okay, God is love. Not that he's, and what's so interesting about that, it's not just that he, he is loving or he does acts of love. That is who he is. He is love. So everything that came into existence came into existence because he wanted it to come into existence. You're here because God wants you to be here. You're here because God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. 
And it is a good person. When he created everything, it was good, very good. And so you are here because God wanted you to be here. He created you in love because everything God does is in love. And then he gave us a reason to live. He wanted us to rule over everything else he created. And so he wanted us to have a loving relationship with him, and he wanted us to live with him. So what's the theme of the book? What's the message of the book? Is that it all begins with God, God's creation. But if you know at the beginning of this book, you find out that something happened pretty soon. And that's Genesis chapter 1 and then Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we have man's fall. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. And just getting to the crux of the message here, it says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent delivered me, and I ate. And, and the Lord God said to the serpent, Behold, you have done this. Cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you from on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And what we have here is kind of in the middle of the story in Genesis chapter 3 is you had God gave, made it pretty simple. Okay, everything I've made is good for you, but just, just obey me and trust me for one thing. Do not eat of the forbidden fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. He did not want us to experience evil. He did not, not want us to be turned to the dark side. And, and he, he gave us one simple Test. Trust me enough to know that I am good and what I have for you is good. And, and, and Adam and Eve deceived but willfully chose to go not God's way but their way. And, and so since then, everything in the world has been tainted with sin, marred by sin. The Bible says in other places that even creation itself groans for everything to be put back in place. And, and so as we think about the message of the Bible, the message of the Bible is there's, there's a lot of wrong in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world. And, and for some, as they struggle with believing in God, well, how can we believe there is a God that's good when there's so much that's not good in the world? And we just drive him to two questions. One, well, how do you explain it? And then here's a simple explanation the Bible gives, is that we chose to rebel against God. And in the very beginning, God made us in his likeness. He wanted us to live like him. He wanted to reflect everything he is in how we live. And we chose to go the opposite way. So what is the message of this book? And the message of this book is our story and his story is you recognize that God began it all, but we are, we are vitally involved in every part of it. Man, man's, God's creation, and then man's fall. There's an interesting play on words here. It's interesting. He said, he shall bruise you. This is, uh, that, this is the, the one who is to come on, on the head, and you, the serpent, shall bruise him on the head, on the heel. It's an interesting Hebrew word. There. It's the word stoof, which has the idea of tr to, to travel or tramp upon or stomp. And, and what he's saying here is there, there's one who is coming, you evil one, Satan, the father of all lies. And, and, and there's going to be this, this battle between you and, and the God of heaven. 
but I'm sending one who's going to change it all. And he's going to stomp on your head, and you're going you're to cause him to stumble on his heel. It will be deadly for both, but one will raise from the dead. And so even a picture here, we have the picture of the one who is to come. But some people, as they look at the message of the Bible and they look at the Old Testament, they say, well, God seems to be an angry God in the Old Testament. He seems to be a loving God in the New Testament. Well, is that really true? Turn to Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, we have these words. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And, and, and that's the description of the Bible. Not only are, are, are we far from God, not only are we not living in his likeness in terms of how we live, but the Bible says that w- w- we are depraved on the inside, that our heart is definitely wicked. Who could know it? And when it's left to its own pursuits, we'll go even deeper into sin. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the earth from the face of the land, from man to animals, creeping things, and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. And if we stop there, there will be no people populating this planet. But here we have a glimpse into the heart of God. But, the, but Noah found favor. And in certain translations, said, but Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. So as you think about what this book is all about, it's all about realizing how did it all begin? It began with man, God's creation and then man's fall, but then God's grace. God looked down at, at Noah, and Noah was not a perfect man. We know that because the rest of the story with, with Noah. But as we think about him, he looked into his heart and he said, I'm, I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to give him favor that he doesn't fully deserve. I'm going to reach out and touch him. And that's the message of God, that God is a gracious God. He is a good God. But turning over to Genesis chapter 15, you say, okay, that, that's what God is doing. He's being gracious. He's giving us favor. What does our, what does our response need to be? In Genesis chapter 15, we, we now have Father Abraham. And Father Abraham gives us our responsibility to respond to God's grace. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, uh, we have these simple words. Then he, Abraham, believed in the Lord. He reckoned to him as righteousness. In a few moments, we're going to have the opportunity to participate in the communion table. And the communion table is is our opportunity to to look back at God's grace, experience God's grace at this moment, and look forward to the grace that we're going to receive in the future and recognize, well, how do we get in on this? We get in on it just like, Anyone throughout history has gotten in on it by trusting in the God who is gracious. And Abraham, who came from a pagan background, far from God, had come to the point where he met God. And at that point, he recognized his need and, and God's provision. And he trusted in him. And God not only forgave his sin, but imparted to him his righteousness. So what is the story of the Bible? The story of the Bible can be summarized in a lot of, number of different ways. And one is to look at some critical chapters in the book. It begins with Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. And it's all about God's creation. 
Secondly, look at, at us. The Bible says not exactly good news, happy news for us, but our fall, man's fall, our sin. Thirdly, it looks at, well, who is God? Is, is God capable of rescuing? Of course, he is capable, but he's willing. And we look at God's grace. He could have wiped us all out, but he preserved that which he created in his image. And then our response, man's faith. But how, how, is, how is he going to make this happen? Turn over to Genesis chapter 15. I mean, Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, you, you have the story of Abraham and Isaac. And, and everything in the Old Testament is a picture of what, what God's going to do in the New Testament. And what he does with Abraham, who's the, who's the father of all nations, of, uh, uh, an exalted father, he, he tells him to take his, his son, his one and only son, the son in whom he loved. And then who does that sound like? It sounds like the son that is to come in the New Testament. God's only begotten son, the son in whom he loves, his only son, his only unique son. And in Genesis chapter 22, verses 13 and 14, we we, we have Abraham just about to take this sacrifice of his son because he was going to be obedient to God. And it says in verse 13, 14, Then Abraham raised the eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and, and offered him up. And he burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said, in this day, in the moment of the Lord, in the mount of the Lord, it will be what? Provided. See, so as you look at this book, this book is all about God is a God of provision. God is the one who provides. God is the one who gives us what we can't get on our own. And, and he pictured this so they, that we could grab the heart of God because this was, this was grabbing Abraham's heart because this is, this is what he was looking in the future for God to do. And can you imagine his, his one son from Sarah, his one and only son, sacrificing him out of obedience to the living God and recognizing that God stepped in and provided, provided the lamb that was to be sacrificed on behalf of the living God. So as you think about maybe summarizing the entire book of the Bible, part of it you could just think, well, not only can you think about it, it's all about God and, and man, and we're going to look in a few moments, Jesus. You could also look at just key chapters, and if you decide at the beginning book in the Bible, Genesis, you could say, well, are, are some ones I could remember? Well, how about Genesis 1? How about Genesis, Genesis 3? How about Genesis 6? How about Genesis 15? How about Genesis 22? And what do you find about that? Well, you find very simple things that, that God creates, man falls, God is gracious, man believes, and God provides. And in the very beginning of this book of books, it outlines the whole plan of God. But in case we miss it, uh, we do want to look at a few other chapters in the Bible that kind of gives kind of the heart of it. And in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to be going through Exodus, Lord willing, in some weeks to come. In Exodus chapter 12, uh, you have a picture of how God makes it happen and why he makes it happen. Because you're saying, well, couldn't God just decide, okay, I'm sorry. That I'm sorry it happened. We'll just forget about it. Is that, you know, God could do that. 
you know, God could, you know, if that wasn't his nature, could say, well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just look beyond that. And, and, and we as, as parents or as grandparents or as people who have people in our life that we care about, sometimes we just want to look away, don't we, when something goes wrong. But God is a God of justice. In Exodus chapter 12, we have God's justice poured out. Look at verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses, but will smite you. Now, that's an Old Testament story. Maybe you've seen the cartoon version of it. Maybe you've seen the, uh, maybe you've seen the, the, the glamour of the, the Exodus and um, the ones that are produced by Hollywood. But this is a picture of, of what is to come. And often we go through life, and the thing that we wrestle is when life's not fair. Anybody use that even this new year already? Some things happen in life that just isn't fair. But what we need to recognize is that when we usually use that word fair, we're thinking in terms of it wasn't fair to me or compared to what has happened to other people, it's not fair. And, and fairness is, is a personal, individual evaluation of what's going on in your life or somebody else's life. What we need is we need to ante up a little bit. What we need to ask ourselves when things happen in our life, is this just do I, do I deserve everything to go right in my life? Do I, does, does, do I, does, does people I care about, do they deserve to have everything go right in their life? And I think if we take an honest look at ourselves and the people we care about, that none of us are guiltless in this world, are we? We live in a fallen world. And anything that we do get that is good is still undeserved. And so we, we need somehow this, this breaking from the, the plan of God to be somehow, somehow satisfied. The Bible talks about that, that God hates sin. He can't even look upon it. And for him to ignore it would make him an unrighteous God, an unjust God. And so from the very beginning, even as he warned those who fell, he said, look at it. In the day you eat of this forbidden fruit, in that day you will die. And so the wrath of God had to be satisfied. The justice of God had to be satisfied. And God's way out, even in that book of Exodus, is that blood needed to be applied. Sacrifice had to be made on behalf of a deadly sin. That's the message of the scriptures. God's justice has to be satisfied. Well, in that day, they, they, they took a lamb and they applied the blood on the, on the doorpost and they, they put their trust in it, just like Abraham put their trust in the living God. Well, is there a better picture of God's plan? Well, turn to Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah 53, we, we have, again, God picturing what was to come and not what, but who was to come. In Isaiah 53... The entire chapter is so filled with pictures of the one who was to come. But just reading verses 5 and 6. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He chast- the chasing for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. 
And the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall in him. What is the message of the Bible? What is, what is our story and his story? Our story, plainly put throughout all the pages of Scripture, is that God's justice had to be satisfied. Our sin was heinous in God's eyes. But God, in his great grace and mercy, he provides And just like he provided a lamb for Abraham as he was about to sacrifice his own son Isaac, it's a picture of the son he was going to sacrifice on our behalf, that he pictured the one who was to come, who would be pierced on our behalf, who would become sin on our behalf that we might become right before a living God. And this is needed for all of us. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity, the sin of us all to fall upon him. So, so, so what do we have in the picture of the Bible? The, the Bible is all about, it's all about God. It's all about man. In Genesis chapter 1, it's God creates. In Genesis chapter 3, it's man's fall. In Genesis chapter 6, it's God's grace. In Genesis chapter 15, it's God provides. In Genesis chapter, two, tw- in, in Genesis chapter 15, it's, it's man's faith. In Genesis chapter 22, it's God provides. In Exodus chapter 12, it's God's justice. And Isaiah 53 is God's plan. That's all about God and it's all about man. But this, this God who is pictured in the New Testament and the Old Testament is, is one God, but within the one God, there's a plurality. Is that God in his fullness unveiled himself. And that's what Christmas is all about. And there's, there's just three other chapters we want to look at. John 1, 1 Corinthians 15, and Colossians chapter 1. And we looked at John chapter 1 quite often in Christmas this past year. Just yesterday, it seems like. It was just yesterday. And in John chapter 1, 1, it says, And the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then went on and said, And and all things came to being through him and for him, and he's before all things. And then we wonder, who is this Word, this full expression of who God is? And in John chapter 1, Verse 12 through 14, we have the invitation, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed on his name. And we're not born because of the, the work of the flesh, but of the, the will of God. And then it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and so as we think about the message of this book, it's all about God, it's all about man, but it's fulfilled and it's all about Jesus. Because God unveiled himself. He, he, he became clear to all those who would look upon him. God became a man. And the invitation of those who would receive him, just like Abraham would receive what he understood by faith, he could become a child of God. They, they saw the, the manifest glory of God because he revealed himself and who he is and what he said and what he did. And then the, the message we want to kind of think about as we begin this new year in 2020 division, uh, vision is that, that, on that on that next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. 
And so as we think about the message here, Jesus became the Lamb of God, sacrificed himself for us. So what's John 1 about? It's all about Jesus' sacrifice. It's all about what we're going to experience at the communion table, where he died on our behalf. 1 Corinthians 15 is, is all about the victory that was won, his resurrection. There are many who have died. There are many who have given up their life for others, but, but Jesus was unique. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ from the dead if he, indeed people can't be raised from the dead. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. But Jesus rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. And so it's all about Jesus' sacrifice. It's all about Jesus being willing to be the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. It's all about Jesus having victory over the grave. And then, it's all about why he did all this. Colossians chapter 1, which is a great chapter in terms of announcing in detail the nature and character of Jesus. But in verse 13, it speaks about why he came. For he, Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Here's where the challenge for us as we look into 2020 and whatever time he gives us each day and each month and each year that we populate this planet. He has called us not only into relationship, but under his rule. He is not only the king, but we're part of that kingdom. And, and we're, we've been transferred, we've been changed from living a life where we rule to where he rules. So, so the message of the New Testament is not in, have you got your ticket to heaven? But, but are you following, are you following the king of kings and lord of lords? Who's leading? This is a book about who's going to lead your life. Are you going to lead your life? Are you going to go back to man's fall? Or are you going to let God lead your life? And live as a citizen of heaven. The so what, and I guess you can't do an entire Bible by getting with Genesis without getting the revelation. This is the so what. God truly loves so that we can truly live. Let me just close by reading Revelation 21, 3 through 7. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And that's the challenge of the scripture. Are we among his people? Uh, the blessings of that, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer be any death, or no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, I, I just done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He, he gives to us that which no one else can give. He gives us that water that is living, that gives us the hope for the future that we experience now in the present, that he satisfies the deepest needs of every heart. That he takes us from living a life of rebellion against him to say, I want to let him rule in my life. I want to live for the one who started it all, who's going to end it all, 
and I can live forever with him. This is the message of Scripture. It's all about God. It's all about man. And it's all about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in a few moments, we're going to be looking at the communion table, not only looking at it, participating in it. And it's all for, the, all for those who have come to that place in their life where they've admitted their need and turned from their own sin, believed in Jesus as the, the Lord God and Savior of their life, and have come to that place where they've, making, they've made that choice. They've committed to follow him and put their, their life in his hands. Help us to remember who you are and what you've done. Help us to live out your plan by trusting in the one who came for us. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.